0: A start On demand. On demand.
1: It is the Canniversary. One year ago today, cannabis for recreational use was legalized in Canada. So we are going to talk about how the sky hasn't fallen. We're also going to learn about edibles because edibles are legal as of today, although we won't see them in stores until probably mid-December. We're going to meet The Two Baked Girls. They host a podcast, and they're going to give us their expertise in case you're considering dabbling in edibles when they do eventually make their way into stores. What's the best prank you've ever pulled? An Irishman who died last week set up a pre-recorded message for his funeral, so when people were standing around his coffin, the message played of him saying, Let me out! It's dark in here! And you will hear our interview with comedy legend John Cleese, who is coming to Winnipeg, Next month, I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, October 17th podcast for The Start. Today is a special day because our friends at Silo Mission and Chuds Power Sports are teaming up once again for a great event. It's the fifth annual Knickers and Kickers event. And we need your help in collecting donations of new underwear the new socks, and we're doing it at two locations, so CJOB and Global Winnipeg are going to be outside Kildonan Place from 7am to 7pm, facing Regent Avenue, right near the main entrance of the mall to the parking lot. And our friends at Power 97 and Peggy at 991 are going to be right outside our stations at Empress and Jack Blick. The address is 1440 Jack Blick. The lot is just north of CF Polo Park. If you're not super familiar with the spot, I think this one is a little bit harder to find than the bit. Kildonan Place, but But it's Emperor-
2: co- both of them, you can get knickers and kickers, still Throw away.
1: Walmart on Regent is right there. If you have a Costco membership, that's just down the block. Ooh, good call. Uh, and the if Bay, you were...
2: if you wanted to. Yeah,
1: the Marshalls.
2: Bay. Lots of socks and underwear options.
0: Yeah, the Bay. There's no more Bay it. Kildonan Place,
2: the bay
0: here. Yeah, Polar yeah. Parkers, uh, oh, Hudson's Bay. Oh, <laughs> of course. Right, right, right. Behind, it's right literally there. right behind me. Right I thought you. I, I was in my head. I'm thinking about Kildonan Place, but yeah, Marshalls is here. There's winners over by Kildonan Place. There's lots of places. The best year we had, you pointed it out, was the year that Sears was closing down at KP, yeah. and they were blowing everything out, mm. and it was people were coming over with cartfuls of of socks for knickers and kickers, but looking to to uh, break some records today.
1: Yeah, they're looking for 3,000 knickers, 5,000 kickers. They do really need underwear. They've they've put a premium on that. They say we'll ex- graciously accept both, but they really need new underwear this year. So if you can help us out, we're going to be there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Greg, you're going to pop by there after 9, right? I am. Kathy
0: Kennedy will be there as well. So we'll get things rocking from 9 till 11. Looking forward to being out there. Appears to be... As though it's going to be a gorgeous day today, weather-wise. So really? we've sort of lucked out.
2: I wore my winter coat
0: this morning. That's okay. You will not be cold. <laughs>
1: Although it looks like uh could be a little breezy out of the south. Well. Looking for a high of eight. La- and hopefully it's not too breezy because last year, oh. I don't know if you guys were there, but we the tent on Regent was at risk of blowing away. I remember that. We had to hold it in place at times because it wa- had we not, it would have blown away. And we had like, I'm pretty sure we had an actual anvil trying to anchor this thing down, and it just would not hold. It was like gusting. I think it's a 70 or 80K, So, but people still came out en masse to generously donate to Silo Mission, so hopefully we will see you there. You'll hear a lot more about knickers and kickers throughout the day here on CJOB. Today is also a special day for many, as it is the one-year caniversary, Loren.
2: That's a new phrase I hadn't heard before, caniversary. Yeah, one year ago today, I was down at a pot shop, In St. Boniface and then over to one in St. Patel where people were lined up in the one case by the hundreds just waiting for those doors to open. And so we're going to have a lot of talk about that today. Have you tried it? Does anyone out there want to share their experiences with maybe they didn't try it before it was legal and now they have? Or you've always been a user and you, you like the new system, you don't? Maybe you've dabbled in things like CBD, which we're going to talk about more after 6.30. Maybe you've had trouble at the border, Greg. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that been an issue, we know, for some. So there, it's been a year where a lot of predictions were made. Some of them have come true. Some of them haven't. And we're going to try to break some of those
0: down. I'm a little uncomfortable with how you asked that and how I answered it because it came across as though I have had trouble at the border and I have not but (laughs) I do know that uh, over the years they've changed their approach at the border in terms of how they ask you questions about trying to find out about your past and one of the things that they're doing now is not uncommon to how they would try and trip you up even 25 years ago. I remember someone asking me at the US border a border patrol agent asking me what i said the last time i was before a judge come on i kid you not i was 21 22 here to there. Clever. And yes, so they've been, you know, those questioning techniques have always I think been at their disposal, but it sounds as though they're brushing off some of those older techniques as it pertains to uh, marijuana use and trying to find out who's using it, and statistics are telling us it's not the demographics that you think. That has seen the greatest increase in use. We'll share that with you in just a few minutes' time.
1: Yeah, there is a headline at uh, globalnews.ca about baby boomers getting banned from the U.S. for admitting to to past marijuana use. So that's kind of scary. So because you want to be honest, you don't want to get caught in a lie. But then if you're honest, you are screwed so much to discuss on marijuana today and uh, just a quick recap uh, I was one of those who tried the legal cannabis uh, shortly after it was legalized I guess and it was a disastrous experience for me because I had previously tried it years ago and it never went well and I was told because I was curious about the CBD stuff because I didn't know anything about CBD going into legalization I never even heard of it until we started talking about it. But I was curious because I have anxiety issues and I thought, well, what we can't hurt? Can it? Well, it turns out it can, because, but this is my fault. Buyer beware. Uh, my then-girlfriend said this is uh, mostly CBD, very low THC. Turns out it was no CBD, and it was high THC, so I had a full-blown panic attack. Boy, it was boy. awful. So just if you are going to try it you're still curious about it, just make sure you know what you're getting into. I didn't look into it, and I paid the price. And uh, I'm not really curious anymore. I'm still... Well, no, that's not true. I am curious about CBD.
2: I'm curious about the edibles, which as of today are legal, although we won't see them on the shelves for another 60 days while they go through a review process. But there's drinks that are coming out with CBD. There's water that's got things infused. Gummy bears and brownies aside, there's lots of... I don't want to say neat, but intriguing stuff
0: coming up. Intriguing. Good word. Intriguing. Hey, one year into Canada's new relationship with cannabis... We're going to look back and see if some of the dire predictions, the ability to use marijuana without any worries and the medical benefits of weed have come to fruition today. That relationship changes again as edibles become legal. And as Loren mentioned, doesn't mean you'll be able to get them. That's a whole other issue. Concerns that legalization would create gaggles of new users doesn't seem to have occurred. Neuroscientists with the University of Calgary's Hotchkiss Brain Institute, Matthew Bell, says that marijuana use has risen for one demographic – Young people, right, Matthew? And
1: that really, we now have the data, has generally not been the case. We've seen very little population-level changes. We've seen almost no change in teen use of cannabis at all. And in fact, the largest demographic that showed elevated use following legalization is kind of 45-plus.
0: Aha. That doesn't come, I don't think that's really a huge surprise. Although the goal of keeping marijuana out of the hands of minors and criminals is yet to be realized, Mike Sear, Chief of Police in Abbotsford, B.C., echoes Bell's sentiments on legalization and its effects on the number of users and its overall impact on law enforcement. When you talk to chiefs all across the country, this sky didn't fall. This did not create a, a significant either reduction or increase in resource and, and in investigations. It really is come and gone without a, a huge, significant impact on law enforcement. Now, Sir, co-chaired the Drug Advisory Committee for the Canadian uh, Association of Chiefs of Police, Loren.
2: So now, just because, and I find his cl- comments interesting because I know a year ago there was a lot of comments about how We'd see more crime or more accidents on the road and all sorts of things. And he's basically saying status quo. Is that fair?
0: Yeah. Like to see more tools for them to detect uh, drivers that are under the influence for sure. But in an overall sense, Nothing much seems to have changed.
2: Now, one thing that might have changed is that just because pot is legal, it doesn't mean you can cross the border with any ease. In fact, it seems the U.S. border agents have changed their tactics. Canadians wanting to cross the U.S. border are being asked different marijuana questions than they were before cannabis was legal. That's according to an American immigration lawyer who represents many aging baby boomers who have been denied entry to America for past pot use. They are not asking questions of recent news because they know they can't deny the person because it's legal in Canada, according to Len Saunders. He's this Canadian-born lawyer who's based in Blaine, Washington. He says what they're doing is they're actually asking Canadians if they've ever smoked marijuana, and then that's what's been keeping him busy, guys. In a statement from U.S. Customs and Borders Protection Office, they say, Even though medical and recreational marijuana is legal in some U.S. states and Canada, marijuana is not legal in the U.S. federal law which supersedes those laws. Consequently, crossing the border or arriving at a U.S. port of entry in violation of this law may result in denied admission, seizures, fines and apprehension. So what does this lawyer notice, Greg, over the last year? The question they're asking is, have you ever... Yes. people
0: what are people answering? Yeah, well, people are being honest, right? And so it's causing people in their 50s and 60s uh, to be honest about it and to be denied. And consequently, they are uh, needing the services of a lawyer uh, because they are being... Being truthful. Now the middle ground, that space between smoking marijuana and craving its medical or medi- medicinal value is cannabis oil, better known as CBD. And for many, CBD has proven to be beneficial. One more time, neuroscientist, Matthew Bell.
1: It has a fair amount of medical evidence that for something like pediatric epilepsy, for sure, there's certainly efficacy that's been seen with, with CBD. Um, and there's a few other things like some pain studies or inflammation, But if anyone actually looked at those studies and saw the doses that they're using, they're usually 600 milligrams and higher uh, uh, per day that a person is taking.
0: Now, after Jeff Braun and Global News at 630, Lorraine will share with us a visit she had with an advocate for CBD and what she has learned over the past year. You want to give us a sneak peek, Lorraine?
2: Well, she talks about you'd be surprised where she's getting her marijuana right now, considering it it is legal or, or her CBD. This raises a whole host of questions for me. I know, Brett, you said you've been interested in CBD before, but you also I know I have. I'm very intrigued by it. I've also been concerned about border questions. I remember even you brought that up when you told your story last year. Wait a minute. Uh Uh-oh.
1: Yeah, am I going to be able to get into the United States?
2: Yeah. One year ago today, those lineups at pot shops across the country had Canadians flocking to stores so they could legally buy weed for the first time. Three, two, one... Still makes me chuckle like that excitement there that was just... Too <laughs> happy New Year. Happy, no. no, happy Cannabis Day. So from Newfoundland to BC, there were cheers like that. There were celebrations and Winnipegger Natalie was one of them. Prior to legalization, she was a medicinal user. So that meant she had her medical marijuana card and a prescription from her doctor. But of course, when Canada legalized marijuana, she was super excited about the possibility that the market would open up, and she hoped minds would also open up. That last part, at least, has happened.
3: In regards to social awareness and talking about it freely, and be, uh, people just becoming more educated on the subject, that part's been great. Um, there's been a lot of improvements there. Um, there's not as much of a stigma.
2: I don't know about you guys, but I've heard a lot of talk about cannabis in the last year. Soccer moms, dads, seniors. I know a lot of people are at least interested in it or even just admitting to trying it compared to how they were a year ago when you came to talking about it. Particularly when it comes to CBD. Greg, you were talking about that just before uh, the news with Jeff Braun. And that's what Natalie uses to help her cope with anxiety that came from post-traumatic stress disorder. Yesterday, we met at a a coffee shop downtown where she showed me the products she's using. Some of it's bud or flower that can be smoked, and some of it's oil. So what am I looking
3: at? This is a so container of... This is a container of dry herb. And it's going to tell you um, like the percentages of how strong it is, uh, whether it contains THC or CBD. When you tell people you're a CBD user, do you find you have to explain to them what that means? For someone who hasn't tried it, yes, I definitely would have to uh, explain the difference between um, cannabis and how there are kind of two major components, uh, one being the CBD, non-psychoactive, and then one being the THC component, which can give psychoactive uh, type effects, yeah.
2: And she actually paused me before we started this interview. She's like, hang on, I want to make sure you're really clear on the differences so people would understand.
0: Yeah, and that was the problem you ran into, right, Brett? This idea of understanding what was good for what and not good for the other in terms of your anxiety. But did you have a mislabeled product or just a misunderstanding of what would be good for your anxiety and, and what would be bad for it?
1: Well, in my case, I, was, uh, I knew that THC was bad, but uh, my then-girlfriend thought, like she says she was told that it was a low THC, higher CBD. So I just took her word for it. I didn't look at the packaging. This was uh, like a, it was an actual prepackaged joint, looked more kind of like a cigarette really. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I, as it turns out, after I had my panic attack, I went and looked at the packaging and it said like 17% THC, (laughs) zero CBD. And then the second thing on that too is depending on the strain, if it's a sativa, If you have so there's sativa and indica. I still don't really know what, but sativa if you uh, can can actually kind of give you a boost, and indica is the stuff that really mellows you out. So if you are high strung or have anxiety issues... You don't want sativa. Sativa can be bad. That's not necessarily... That's not like a general rule, but in my case, it was terrible.
2: Right. So I'm going to post a picture to my Twitter account of one of her bottles, just so you can see those percentages, because they label how much has THC, how much CBD is in this, and then you can take it from there. So again, that cannabinoid oil, that's the non-psychoactive component. People have tried it for pain, arthritis, sleep... And a large percentage, like Natalie, like you, your your interest, Brett, was for anxiety.
0: Back in
3: 2014, um, work was struggling, home life was struggling, I had motivation, that kind of stuff. Um, Health wise, was uh, struggling. Um, but uh, after being on um, uh, CBD, al- along with a bit of the THC to help help at night in the sleep. Um, It's been a complete uh, turnaround in my life. I've maintained a full-time job. I I even put in overtime. I've gotten more involved with the community. I've actually lost weight, which people uh, 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 seem to think is surprising because they think, oh, if you're smoking weed (laughs) or using... Munchies and all the the stereotypes that go with it. Exactly. But I've actually lost about 35 pounds since uh, since starting it and just become more active both in the community as well as in my day-to-day life and work life. It's been great.
2: So again, she's not saying it helped her. The the, the oil is a, a weight loss tool either. It's just about the idea that she's more active, she's more healthy in her mind. And and since legalization, she no longer has to use that medicinal marijuana card and order from companies and wait for that product to be shipped. But one year later, that's actually what she's gone back to. So instead of walking to the store to get her CBD, she now has gone back to ordering it online and waiting for it to come
3: the costs even with my shipping being included in it are still working out to be cheaper than than what I'm finding in the storefronts here. What would be a price comparison for example? Uh, okay so yeah there's kind of the price comparison and there's also the kind of um, dosage type uh, comparison. The medical products are stronger uh, overall so you're getting kind of more bang for your, your your buck if you're using it for medical purposes. And you're talking
2: the CBD component yeah. stronger?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, both sides of it, but yeah, for this, uh, the this CBD specifically. So if I'm buying um, online, uh, generally speaking, I might spend about $60 on a on a bottle of oil there. And for the same size bottle of oil in the storefront here, it could be around 60 to sometimes even higher. But the percentage, like the intensity of the dosage is like half half the amount that it would be medically. So you're paying the same amount, but you're not receiving the same quality of product.
2: Are you disappointed by that? Did you think it'd be,
3: we'd see more, get more, have more by this stage in the game? I definitely thought that when they um, announced that uh, the legalization was for the purpose of helping to curb the black market, I thought for sure that the prices would have been um, at least comparable to to what we're seeing on the black market or on the medical side, and and it's not, um, and that's been disappointing. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a common comment, isn't it, Lauren? Mm-hmm. The idea of the pricing hasn't really fallen into line, and that it, it it's more expensive, and and maybe the product. Isn't as high quality? Have you heard that as well? well not
2: as high quality. It's drier. If you know your stuff, then apparently you know enough to know when it comes in the mail. Well, this doesn't look like what, because she's also a legal grower because of her her marijuana card. And so she's like, I know what a good batch of marijuana looks like versus a, a dried out one. So that's been an issue. Again, her bang for the buck thing is about the percentage. So you can get a higher percentage of CBD in the online stuff versus the store. And she wants that me- medical result not just you know this high so that's concerning for her she's very excited about edibles so after 7:45 we have uh, a couple girls coming in who have a podcast who have tried lots of the edibles that are um, on the market
0: I think it's called a podcast Oh it's a pot-
2: I can't believe I forgot that you know I love a little play on words like that Yes so they have a podcast and again we're going to see all sorts of things with edibles not today but probably by December that have them in drinks, in beer, in water, in all sorts of things. And so that's something she's excited about. We'll talk more at 7.45.
1: And I just want to add a quick clarification on my experience when I say that I took her word for it of what was in it. I want to add buyer beware. Like if you are not familiar with this, but you're curious, make sure you know what you are getting into. Check the packaging, go into the store and talk to people. Ask them. They know their stuff. They want to help. They're all super, like I've been into a couple of these shops. They're super friendly. And just, you know, make sure that you know what you're getting And how it might affect you because you don't want to have a reaction like I had. It was, uh, it ruined my, well, it ruined my Friday night. One of the the biggest
0: benefits of legalization is knowing exactly what you're getting in terms of the different ingredients.
1: That's right, because if you get it off the street, you have no idea what you're getting. You're just getting a bag of weed. Here's the headline of Global News. C A C J O B dot com. Let me out. Dead man pranks funeral goers with pre recorded messages. Here's what it sounded like.
2: Hello. 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 Let
1: me out. Hello. Let me out. Here. that's shay bradley an irish man who died last week he had the last laugh at his own funeral with a pre-recorded audio message as people are standing around his coffin which he can be heard complaining about being trapped in said coffin his daughter shared video of the prank and the reaction on social media people there were laughing so it was a moment of joy in an otherwise somber occasion but that got us thinking what's the best prank you ever pulled so jeff Braun's here kelly moore's here jeff forte who wants to go first
4: Well, I'll jump in there, I guess. Uh, Back, uh, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was April Fool's Day. And I'd worked on this for quite some time, so I I was able to get uh, fictitious clips from the president of the Western Hockey League, as well as the head coach and general manager of the Victoria Cougars. The story we went with, and we did not tell the local team, which was a huge mistake, but we (laughs) said that uh, the uh, arena in Victoria was undergoing massive renovations. So for the 88-89 WHL season, the Victoria Cougars would be playing their home games at the Kamloops Memorial Arena, which oh. was the former home of the Blazers. as must have been in the early 90s. while well, the Blazers were playing in their new rink at Riverside Coliseum at the
0: time. Oh, so Kamloops was going to have two, two teams. W-
4: <laughs> well, I guess people... I'm sorry, people... did you
2: end the newscast each time with, like, April Fools? No no. Oh. Oh, no, no,
4: no, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> We ran That's this right. as a regular story, and oh, the no. switchboard oh. at the Blazers' <laughs> office was just rigging off the hook. Needless to say, their owner... And their GM did not speak to me for about a month. (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done.
0: Uh, How could we talk that? I
2: I had a prank pulled on me once that still makes my heart beat. I was uh, 22 years old, just finished university, got my first job for this TV show that was being launched uh, with a network and uh, on cable and it was about careers. Anyway, it was a terrible show, but <laughs> I was one of the hosts and halfway through the summer, the whole team has, gets called in for a meeting and there's a guy there and he says he's in a consultant and he's sorry, but he has to. T- oh, and it's my birthday, by the way. It's my 22nd birthday. He's sorry, but he has to tell me I'm fired and that you've lost your job. And then he pulls out this ghetto and hits play. And starts stripping and i'm bawling like i'm bawling. i can't i can't connect like why is this man dancing to this terrible song and i'm doing oh his shirt and i'm fired and the whole time i'm like why are you dancing why am i fired and then they're all laughing and i'm sobbing like and they,
4: they, that's a weird It was prank.
2: the worst prank ever and i i'm sweating just thinking about it because i like I, it was so
0: when um, did it clue in
2: I don't even know. Like I, Even now, I kind of wonder, was I fired that day and they took it back? Like, I don't
0: know. When you say ghetto, you mean like a ghetto, like a ghetto blast blaster? Like yeah. A big, yeah. He big, pulled out a boombox yeah. and
5: <laughs> on it, started dancing around me. I'm oh. sobbing and I'm like
2: yelling, Am I fired? Why are you dancing? Oh, that's
0: good. That's good. Backwing? Well, I, I'm torn between uh, two, so I'm going to do real quick uh, both of them. Uh, my buddy Riel uh, had this habit of leaving his house unlocked and so I I was a pop-in guy, I liked to pop in on him and one day popped in, back door was open, there was nobody home. So I thought that would be a great opportunity to tear all the labels off his canned goods.
5: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, his, nice. mom, his mom would come visit from uh, out east, from Montreal, and for a year, his mom was still cursing me in, in <laughs> French uh, about the fact that I was wasting food. And I said, well, that's like a surprise every yeah, time uh, you, so the peaches you are are supper, beans, right? What are you going to have? <laughs> and then uh, the one that lives on in my family, my mom and dad were divorced and... and Uh, My mom passed away uh, almost uh, 18 years ago and um, she decided that she would get the last laugh in the relationship between her and my dad and ruin his birthday forever. Uh, and die on his birthday. <laughs> 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 so you know, uh, as opposed to when we op- wake up on August 27th, uh, the kids were not thinking about, oh, it's Dad's birthday. Oh, it's the anniversary of Mom's passing. So, yeah, my dad figured, yeah, that that's that's your mom. She got the last laugh. We got 60 seconds, Jeff Braun. You got one? I, uh, not one that I did or was pulled on me, but it happened to a buddy of mine. He went off on his honeymoon, and sometimes people play pranks mm-hmm. on people in their honeymoon. His brother bought one of these. Uh, wireless doorbells and you take the ringer part and he hid it in the ceiling tile and then oh, for months oh, oh. afterwards every time he'd drive by he'd just ring the doorbell ah! and
6: they, it took them
0: they, it took them forever to figure out A. what that sound was and then where it was kind of then to find the hiding spot for it So,
2: oh that's awesome
0: yeah it's a fun prank
1: Now, it's the Canniversary today, one year since cannabis was legalized in Canada. Edibles now legal as of today, but we want to switch from that to opioids.
2: Well, we know that opioids and fentanyl have been a major issue for many Canadians. And of course, we're not just talking about people who might try to buy fentanyl patches or other things on the street. We know that over the past 20 years, the use of prescription opioids has increased steadily. And that means a growing number of Canadians have become addicted to a drug that was supposed to help them with their pain. With the rise in their use, there's also been a staggering increase in misuse, disorders, and of course, deaths. But this morning, there are some encouraging numbers out from the Canadian Institute of Health Information, which is reporting opioid use is actually declining. Michael Gocher is the Director of Pharmaceuticals and Health Workforce Information Services and joins us now. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Tell us what the numbers are showing. What's, what's coming down and where?
5: Well, our study looked at uh, four provinces: uh, Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and British Columbia. And we looked at the at the patient level uh, for this study. So, really, how many people were being prescribed opioids, starting opioids, and prescribed opioids on a long term basis? And uh, uh, encouraging results uh, in terms of uh, what we saw. We're seeing about eight percent fewer people uh, being prescribed opioids in two thousand eighteen uh, as compared to two thousand thirteen. And about 10% fewer people started on opioids in 2018 compared to 2013. So, uh, again, encouraging signs in terms of of these trends uh, declining.
0: So, the why is the next question. Is it awareness from doctors or is it, in fact, patients who are maybe second-guessing their doctor or questioning their doctor, do I really need this? What do we think?
5: Well, it's probably a combination of, of both of those. I think you know there were new uh, Canadian opioid prescribing guidelines introduced in 2018, and a lot of education around them, uh, really across the country. So I expect some of what we're seeing uh, reflects uh, those guidelines because the, the changes seem to be aligned with what the guidelines are recommending. Uh, there is that awareness, I think, with the crisis, both both amongst the prescribers and amongst patients, really in terms. So I, I think it's really all of those factors uh, as well as other initiatives like prescription monitoring programs that are that are contributing to uh, to what we're seeing.
2: I know Michael I've actually heard from people I know and and anecdotally from folks who might get to the hospital or have surgery and think to themselves because of all the attention I don't know if I want to try this because I'm worried about how highly addictive it is so I I wonder if that's part of the equation as Greg mentioned but also curious about those who might be going to doctor to doctor to refill prescriptions because there was no previous checks and balances in place. You mentioned those regulations. Has that changed then? If, if I'm someone trying to keep continually refill by switching doctors, is there something to stop me from doing that now?
5: I think certain provinces really have have uh, uh, information systems in place where doctors can view uh, a patient's profile of medications in real time. So if they review that before, they they uh, can see, in, in some instances, whether, they're, you know, whether they have, in fact, uh, uh, had an opioid prescription filled at, at, for example, another pharmacy. So there's different kind of mechanisms, and I think the, the systems to really monitor are getting better over time in terms of being real time and available to the prescriber. Uh, so I think that that helps identify some of those situations where they may be going from pharmacy to pharmacy. And uh, as far as people kind of you know having surgery, uh, I think the important uh, you know point we make about opioids is, is they still are you know effective drugs, and when they're used and prescribed appropriately. So I I think there are patients that uh, you know do need them. So I think while you want to encourage appropriate prescribing, I think you you want to also uh, consider that you know some people will still need opioids for more severe forms of pain.
0: Michael, you mentioned there were four provinces involved in this study and the data that you you collected. Is Manitoba separate? Have you got the data for our province separately? And and does Manitoba follow the the trends of the, the rest of the provinces that you looked at?
5: Yeah, we we do have data separately. Uh, With Manitoba, we only had the last three years, so uh, uh, from 2016 onward, but we did look uh, and include Manitoba data really for those three years. And and what we, we see is trends in Manitoba uh, being very similar like overall prescribing trends to what we see in Saskatchewan or sorry in, what we see in in Ontario and British Columbia. Saskatchewan was a little bit lower than all the other three provinces but, but uh, what we're seeing in Manitoba is, is uh, very similar over those last three years to what we saw in, in uh, Ontario and British Columbia.
1: Michael Gaucher, Director of Pharmaceuticals and Health Workforce Information Services. Joining us live on 680 CJOB at the Canadian Institute of Health Information. Thank you very much, Michael. We appreciate this.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. One year ago today, cannabis was legalized in Canada and as of today edibles are legal although we probably won't see them in stores until December
2: not long after it was legalized in Canada our next guest launched a podcast which I just makes me giggle uh, in January where they initially started shooting it off their iPhone Um,
7: so like what's everybody's views on legalization how did that not get um, censored we're gonna smoke another joint it's a good idea.
2: So now they have sponsorship. They have a production crew. They have lights, cameras, and more from an iPhone to a full team of people. They're in studio laughing at the clip I just pulled. <laughs> you just heard the voices of Ray Ray and Cupcake, as you're known. You use those names, Cupcake, because just kind of keep it a bit anonymous or what? A
8: little bit. And it's been my nickname for quite some time, so...
7: I have cupcakes tattooed on my knuckles, and so <laughs> even though our faces are all over social media, it's not <laughs> yeah. really like we're kind of yeah we don't really blend in with the crowd anyways. So yeah.
2: so Ray Ray, why why launch this? What what was the need that you thought to just start talking? Well, about you know this? what, it was
7: actually Cupcake's idea originally. So she had an original a different partner originally doing it that didn't work out, and then we've been friends for a while. So she asked me to do it, and I was like. Yeah, man. Like, why wouldn't I uh, want to smoke some cannabis on camera and talk about, you know, trying to end the stigma? So, uh, yeah. Is that what is, it was about for you, Cupcake? I, I feel odd calling you Cupcake.
8: But I'm going to call you Cupy or Cup-Cup? <laughs> C. Cup- 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 cup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. It was just, uh, like, qu- kind of more about advocacy for me. Like, I'm a medical user, so uh, I just really wanted to spread the word and end the stigma about the cannabis and, uh, you know, show people how helpful it can be. And you can get off other medications and you know things that are addictive and and bad for you that uh, cannabis can help with. So
0: that stigma is a big deal, I think, yeah. for a lot of people. Because I'm someone who's never used, and, yeah. But I never ever judged anybody that did. I never smoked cigarettes and so the idea of smoking anything just really didn't appeal to me but I never judged anybody but there's obviously now this line right yep. where it is acceptable it is legal yeah. but you're still going to have people that are going to be I think judging you it's like a tattoo or ear piercing sure. I, yes. I worked in the place where you had to take your ear piercings out yep. back in the day and it's like really yeah you yeah. know so th- those are similar I guess social changes that we've had to, to deal oh, with for over sure. time right and
7: like my dad was one of those people, right? So, like, up until it was legal, he was like, oh, my gosh, you're going to jail. Like, right away, he thinks <laughs> you're going to jail, right? Right. And a lot of people, too, think that, like, if you're, you know, you smoke pot, that you're just, like, in a basement playing video games all day. And it's like, if you want to do that, that's cool. But, like, there's so many different avenues and ways to use this plant. And that's what we're trying to show people, too, is that, like, there's, like, I have a six-year-old daughter, and she's on CBD oil, medically, um, and it's helping her. And she's she's autistic. So it's been life-changing for her and for my family. So there's that kind of um, um, area from that too. And like Cupcake said, she's medicinal. So she's... Taken, um, you know, she's off all of her medications now. So she's on medical cannabis. I'm a recreational user, so I enjoy it at night. That's my chill out time, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And on a Friday night, when we do our show, we get like super baked, and that's just kind of our thing. That's our recreational time. Uh, that's our time, recreational for sure. time as <laughs> a Friday sesh. night. <laughs> yeah, it's a smoke sesh. But uh, yeah, we're trying to end that stigma for a lot of people and show them that you can go in and actually, you know, um, let it help you um, medically a lot. So there's so many different types of
8: medical issues, right? And there's so many different forms. That you can use now with the oils. Uh, they even have suppositories. So there's so many different options out there. If you can't smoke,
0: right up the butt. <laughs> Of course, she told you, Loren. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about that off air earlier this morning with a a different, uh, a different uh, substance, mind you. But this is something that has been around for a little while now. Uh, Why why would you go? Why would you go down or up that road? Well, I guess
7: sorry. Yeah. some people, you know, some people don't want to smoke it, like you said, right? Some people have never Mm -hmm. even had a cigarette in their life; they don't want to smoke it. So there's other ways to take it that it'll benefit you. So some you people know, can't even
8: take it orally, right? Yeah. And some people want, um, like I think, if you have like Crohn's colitis, like s- certain types of you know illnesses, that more instant, right? Yes, exactly.
1: You say that you used to take medication. Now you're off of those medications. Yes. What were you taking?
8: Uh, I was taking sertraline, and uh, which is also known as Zoloft. Um, And then I was on some benzos as well. So I was on lorazepam. I tried all those different types and I just turned into a zombie. I didn't like who I became when I took those pills and uh, like the sertraline did help me for a while, but the benzos are just, they turn you into a zombie. I didn't like it and they're extremely addictive. I have an addictive personality, so I knew it was not a good choice for me.
1: And what kind of cannabis do you use?
8: I use all different types, so that's another thing, too, is you don't just buy one strain and then use that throughout the day. Uh, You can use different forms, right? So, like, in the daytime, you can use CBD and you can use an oil form. Uh, You can kind of medicate slightly with, like, a little bit of THC smoking throughout the day. Um, So different strains. You wanted to pick one that's more uh, energetic during the day. You want to do one that's a little bit more calming and soothing in the evening, so... Uh, They're actually wanting to do away with the term sativa and indica. A lot of people kind of base their decision on those. uh, But they're talking a lot more about terpenes now. And terpenes is actually what drives your high. So that's what I look for in my cannabis. Uh, For my anxiety, I like to go for one that's more piney or one that's more citrusy.
2: You really have to get technical and ask those questions though, yes, right? In do. terms of understanding what you're taking and how it's working. It'd be like if you went to a pharmacist and they prescribe you something and they always give you that speech about what you're supposed to do or not do yeah. while you're on that drug. And, right. you, and you rarely listen to yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, got it. I won't eat. I won't drink water. And then you just do whatever you think works and it may or may not work for you as a yeah. result.
0: And how it interacts with some of the other medications you might on. Is there a concern there? We've heard, you know, in opioid case with opioids, you hear so many accidental overdoses and that mixture with alcohol. Do you have to be concerned with that uh, with regards to to marijuana use? With cannabis and alcohol, uh, that would increase. Yeah. Uh, so we, that we, don't we don't recommend
7: you mixing? mixing alcohol and cannabis. That's not a thing. Uh, if, especially if you drink too much and then you go to smoke one, you might green out, which is like not pleasant. You could green out. Green out. We call it greening out. So you get like really sick and you puke and you it's you're, you're spinning. Pass out, to you pass out. Yeah. So like some people can just green out by smoking way too much and uh, smoking like a high percentage uh, THC. Something that has You're a lot not
8: used of it. to it, don't do it. yeah so that's why I like
7: those ads people kind of laugh at them but their big ads are like start low go sl- or go slow, start low. But it's true, right? Like if you've never smoked anything or taken anything, like now that edibles are legal, right? Right. We're gonna tell people like you need to like start low with that. So what they're gonna what they're they're legalizing ten milligrams per per serving for an edible. So I personally I'll take fifty milligrams myself, and that makes me feel very nice and baked, and I don't need to take anything else or smoke anything. But for somebody that's never taken anything like that, you start low like that because you don't know the effects it's gonna have on your body and how it's gonna make you feel. It's a different kind of high. And uh, Completely different. Completely different. So we just tell people, it's just like Cupcake had said, right? So like when you start like a new medication, it may work for mm-hmm. you, it may not. You might have to play around with it, go to your doctor, try something else. It's the oh, same thing with cannabis. Like antidepressants. like It can yeah. exactly. take you 30,
0: 40 days before yeah. it has any sort of effect. And, and the synthetic the drugs, and you. it might not be the one. You might have to start all over again. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So Ray Ray, we're one year into... Legalization yeah. Today, le- edibles are technically legal, although yeah. we know it's going to be a few months before yes. they're approved with Health Canada Review. You just gave a fist pump on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. But on your podcast and with the guests, I know you interview guests. You're yeah. not just sitting there getting high, although yeah. I'm sure that's part of the fun. But there are conversations taking place. Yes. yeah. What's the biggest takeaway in the last year for you and what people are saying? Because it was this big woo-hoo thing yeah. a year
7: ago for folks like yourself. So I think that like, everybody I personally voted for the first time ever, knowing that hopefully cannabis was going to be legal um, and then it became legal. And I know that there's a lot of people. Uh, Manitoba's hard because Manitoba's still the only province in Canada where we're not allowed to grow our own four plants. So Quebec just legalized their four plants each, like, a month ago, I think it was. So Manitoba has a really hard time with the whole cannabis laws, um, which is frustrating for some people that live here. I We see a need. We, we say that we're Switzerland, so we're in between. So we see a need for both markets. Um And I think it's amazing for people that are just getting into cannabis to go into a store and be able to purchase it and go home and try it without thinking that they're going to get arrested or anything like that. Right. So I think that there's still a lot of um, improvements that need to be made in um, ways of like, you know, CBD, like CBD, a lot of people don't realize is still illegal. So even though CBD is a non-psychoactive part of the plant um, it's illegal. So like, it's considered a narcotic. It's considered a narcotic still. So even though my six-year-old daughter is on it. I'm um, confused because you can buy it in a combo at the store. you, know, you, you should you, you <laughs> can. yeah, should. Technically, yes, you can. That's but illegal. But if you go into a pet shop and you see CBD oil there for your animals, that's still illegal. So people need to know that. People aren't getting told that. CBD, there, it, there's a gray line. There's a gray area, I should say, with CBD and THC. THC oil now is going to be legal because today edibles are legal, which is great, which is concentrates as well. But CBD is still in that gray area, so which is unreal to us because, like CBD, is what actually helps people for anxiety and for pain, and Most doesn't. Medicinal aspect. It's all medicinal because it's like non-alcoholic beer, right? You can take it; it's not going to give any side effects. I'm
1: sorry, but we are out of time for Ray Ray and Cupcake, <laughs> the Two Baked Girls podcast. We've, put, we've linked it to her. Our- podcast
2: I just wanted to
1: add. it's a podcast it's a podcast it just
7: makes me giggle.
1: <laughs> Two big Girls the podcast Ray Ray and Cupcake pleasure to meet you thanks for coming thank in thank you so thank much, you having so much for having us and your chance to weigh in on Facebook to win Cirque du Soleil Amaluna tickets if you tell us what's the best prank you ever pulled. And Kevin the Garbage Man texted us earlier this morning and says, best prank, my wife once found one of our friend's Lotto 649 tickets at a party and wrote down his numbers, then said, I'll call and get the numbers. She read out his numbers and he just (laughs) freaked Jumping around, <laughs> very <laughs> funny, <laughs> but oh, very mean. If someone did that to me, I would lose my mind. Really? Yeah. We, oh, do, God, do,
0: yeah. Are you so kidding? Do I I we have 56 seconds? Yes. Uh, from Happy Endings is a, is a show that both Jeff Braun and I used to watch, and, uh, well, they did a very similar thing.
4: Tonight's winning numbers are 24.
0: I'm out. 10. Ah. Daddy's done. 35. Mm-hmm.
5: 27. 53. Oh my the god. The final Illinois million jackpot number is 1.
4: Oh my god. What? What's up, man? Oh my god. Oh my god. What are you so
6: excited about.
0: I won. What? <laughs> <laughs> I won!
6: No way. Shut up. I'm rich. I'm no
0: longer the poor
7: one. I'm not sharing this with any of you. You're all dead to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah, Get your poor hands off me. I am out of here. Max, stop.
0: You didn't win. What? (laughs) Of course, he's going around the room pointing at people as friends, supposedly, and uh, kicking them out of his life. But that didn't last very long. Keep
1: sharing your prank stories on Facebook and a text 204-780-6868. But right now we want to talk about these hunters who were found after missing for quite a while, Loren.
2: Yeah, and it has us asking the question this morning, do you have what it takes to survive days in the bush? Greg's shaking his head right now. I know I was shaking my head when I read this story last night. Four missing hunters who were rescued from northern Manitoba this week obviously have those skills. The group, which included two youth, had been dropped off at Mosquito Lake for a hunting trip. They were dropped off October 8th and were supposed to be picked up October 11th, but the weather turned and their float plane couldn't land. When they didn't return home by Tuesday, so several days later, family became worried. Police were alerted. A search was launched. RCMP Corporal Julie Crushane is on the phone now to share what happened next. Good morning, Julie.
9: Hi, good morning.
2: So what did you guys find yesterday?
9: Yeah, so um, lucky for us and, uh, you know, a happy ending. We did have a helicopter up and um, were able to locate these missing hunters and able to land. I mean, that was part of the issue was the weather was really bad and uh, the float plane couldn't land. So they still thought um, the weather you know, we weren't sure if it was going to cooperate with us, but um, yeah, we were able to land and were able to locate
0: them. So I think, ending. no kidding. I think I got the email about the missing uh, adventurers and hunters uh, maybe a half an hour before I got the email that you'd found them. So there seemed to be some concern that they only had enough food for a three-day trip, but they ended up out for a week. How did they, how did they manage to survive?
9: I know. I don't know all the details, but um, when I did speak with the officers at the detachment there yesterday, yeah, they said they were, you know, in good health. Um, already, you know, got them back to, to God's River and they were already back with their families. So, um, you know, just a really good outcome because sometimes you don't know what's going to happen and, you know, what people are dealing with. And so just happy that we were able to get them home. They're obviously, uh, you
2: know, if they're hunting, you'd like to think they have some skills and knowledge in place for what to do in, in extenuating circumstances. But we hear stories like this all the time, Julie. Several times a year, searches are conducted for people or boaters or fishers or hunters who have gone missing. Is there a, a takeaway here or a tip that we should all be thinking about when it comes to planning trips and what we should be doing, and either telling our family about our ETAs or our time we expect to be home or always traveling with a, a pop-up tent or extra food?
9: Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously every, you know, Manitoba is so vast and lots of rural areas, so lots of hunting. So we're always trying to remind people, you know what, if you are going out to enjoy uh, the outdoors, just make sure, check the weather. Make sure the people you know, your family knows your route, where you're going, when you're expected back. Um, You know, the weather can change quickly, so be prepared for unexpected, you know, extra stay, so extra food. Um, If you can, have a satellite phone that would be great. So just trying to, to think ahead and, and to always be safe and, and so that your family back home can alert um, the police if you, if you don't return.
1: RCMP Corporal Julie Corshane joining us live on 680 CJOB. Corporal, thank you very much for this. We appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Another comedy show happening on Wednesday, November 6th at the Centennial Concert Hall. John Cleese... Last time to see me before
0: I die.
1: Greg and I had an opportunity to chat with him just a few days ago.
0: So, John, are you superstitious <laughs> at all? Naming your show, Come See Me Before I Die? I, I would be very uncomfortable with a pronouncement such as
6: that. <laughs> uh, well, what worries me now is that the picture on the gravestone says, John, please, 1939, to Uh, sorry, 21 question mark, which suggests I'm not absolutely (laughs) guaranteed to get to 2020. So I noticed that the other day, but it didn't really make me superstitious. Now, here's my favorite story about superstition, and it really is. The guy who basically laid down all the fundamental ideas of quantum physics, Niels Bohr, Unbelievably brilliant man, and I went. For, somebody went to dinner with him, and when they were leaving, they saw a uh, nailed up uh, on the uh, above his uh, front door a horseshoe for luck. And the guy said to him, "Neil, you greatest physicist on earth. You don't, you're not superstitious, are you?" And, uh, and Neil said, "No, no, I'm not superstitious at all. But apparently, it works anyway." <laughs> <laughs> One of the best jokes I've ever heard. I love that joke. Anyway, now, ask me sensible stuff.
1: Well, Greg, are you, you're a big <laughs> fan of one of his
6: old shows?
0: Yeah, Faulty Towers, John. How come there were only 12 episodes?
6: Because I was writing them with Connie Booth, and after we'd written the last one, we said we can't do better than that. If we do another series, people will say, well, it was very good, but it wasn't as good as the first two. So what's the point of doing it? Unless you're short of money, which in those days, I wasn't.
0: Well, I think you should have stretched out a little bit so that uh, uh, at least you might have hooked up with Penny or something at some point in the the series.
6: Uh, Oh, with Polly. Well, yes, of course, we were married. And we puzzled everyone by writing the first series where we were married. And the second series after we'd been divorced nobody could understand that but well, John, we're good friends
1: well John let me ask you about the, the you mentioned you did two series and I don't know that's common in England where it'll just be two series and maybe a Christmas special and then it's done whereas in North America they'll just drag a show out 10 yeah. 11, 12 15 seasons so what do you what do you think of yeah, that contrast they when you say drag it out
6: sometimes they do it very well you know I mean you take Cheers that was a wonderful series and David Hyde Pierce whom I know a little bit personally I adore him he said that doing Frazier he thought the scripts were better in Series 3 and 4 than they were in 1 and 2. So the Americans are extremely good at organizing um, a group of writers together who can do some huge number, like 22 shows in a year. Uh, Connie and I used to spend six weeks, literally six weeks, on each episode. So if we did a six, six, you know, six shows in a series, that was uh six six is thirty-six weeks, then six weeks actually recording it is forty-two weeks, and then there was a week of filming before that. So it took us forty three weeks. And for that, to give you a good laugh, the BBC paid me in the first series six thousand pounds altogether, writing and performing. So that was another reason I couldn't really afford to do another series. That is
0: phenomenal. What do you, how do you feel when you see? I know how hockey players and athletes feel. Uh, you know, from the '60s and '70s, see the millions and millions of dollars that athletes are making today. Are you jealous? Are you angry? Where do you fit in when you you see uh, people making sitcoms for a million dollars
6: an episode? Yeah, I suppose I feel a little bit envious, but not very strongly, because I don't want to uh, go into that world again. I don't think I'd enjoy it. I was in uh, working in television, Monty Python, the fir- first series I used to get, £240 a show. But we were doing it because the BBC was the best place to do comedy. And we liked a lot of the people at the BBC who were in charge. Now, I find there are people of 35 who tell me what I should be doing. And I know perfectly well that they have no idea what they're talking about. The trouble is, they don't
1: know that. want to continue our conversation now with John Cleese. That's right, the comedy legend John Cleese. He's coming to Winnipeg Wednesday, November 6th with his new show, Last Time to See Me, Before I Die. Now, Greg and I had an opportunity to chat with him just a few days ago, and I asked him, why has Monty Python and the Holy Grail, a film from 1975, endured so well? I don't know. I think it was
6: the first truly silly film that was made that was just very, very silly with people doing coconuts instead of horses' hoops, you know. And I think it caught on. People were not familiar with that kind of comedy, and there's not a great deal of it about. I mean, if you go back to the 30s, I think I'm right in saying that a lot of the Marx Brothers was as silly as that. And then there was a film called oh, I guess a Hell's a Puppet." that was a bit like it, which everyone has forgotten about. But I don't know now that there's a comedy as silly as Python, even these days. Can you think of anything as silly as we were?
1: Not really. I mean, there's a lot of silly stuff. There's a lot of juvenile stuff. But in terms of the the surreal comedy, like I've never seen anything like that film.
6: No, and that's what it caught. Some people saw it and they felt, particularly people who lived in the Midwest, in America, in the USA, they kind of felt there's something out there I can connect with. You know, people who had the misfortune to live in Cleveland, for example. You know, the interesting thing about Cleveland is not that it's so absolutely awful, but that some people live there of their own free will. I mean, they could leave any time they like, and they don't. I mean, if people... Said, I'm here because the judge said I'd killed four people, and he sentenced me to live in Creed over 10 years. You can understand it. Yeah?
0: <laughs> well, John, Winnipeg's been immortalized in The Simpsons uh, with the welcome to Winnipeg sign saying, we were born here. What's your excuse? So, uh, you know, we... we <laughs>
6: <laughs> so we, we we sometimes... I always uh, remember... Well, I just remember when we got to Winni- Winnipeg all those years ago, 74 or something. And uh, we, you know, we got off the plane and we got in the in the cars and the cars drove us to the hotel. And the first thing was a, a press conference. And of course we sat down and they said, well, why do you think of Winnipeg? <laughs> and... Uh, you know, we could have answered, well, the in- interior of our car was very nice. Um, <laughs> but Eric simply said, it's Eric said he's going to be very nice when it's finished, which I thought was wonderfully
0: funny. Can I ask you about political correctness in comedy these days? It, we find ourselves apologizing all the time on air. We uh, apologize for our opinions on stuff. We get called out continuously on stands that we take. How difficult is it for to be an honest-to-goodness comedian and to, to share your views on things in this day and age? Well,
6: I don't. You see, I, I do these stage shows so that the people who to my shows by and large are somewhere between 40 and 90 and they don't have these problems. You know, I think uh, political correctness is a good basic idea, which is let's not be nasty to people, taken to madness. I mean, the idea that uh, if you make a joke about someone, it's going to destroy them. You if I tell a joke about Germans, it's all right. If I tell a joke about Mexicans, it isn't all right. Well, isn't that rather condescending towards the Mexicans? You know, the Germans are all right. You know, they can stand up themselves. But, I mean, Mexicans are sort of obviously, obviously feeble because any, any joke about them is going to destroy them. But they'll all have nervous breakdowns and not be able to work tomorrow. I mean, what a lot of old rubbish, you know. There are such things as nasty jokes, and they're horrible. And we shouldn't do those. But ordinary jokes, a lot of joking is affectionate. And a lot of joking, if you have get together with old friends, you're all teasing each other and making fun of each other. And it's a bonding mechanism. It's a really healthy, affectionate bonding mechanism to tease each other. And they simply don't understand this. So it's a bit like a maiden aunt or a maiden uncle. Coming into the room when everyone's having a good time at the party and you've got to sort of stop having a good time because you might under, uh, might offend the most upsettable, the most, um, what's the word, easily upset person. Do you want the most easily upset person setting the standards for society? You know? Reminds me of what they used to say about an English actor. Uh, who who went to Hollywood, and they said he used to stand around a party. There's a great deal of of humor, which is just to do with spontaneity and fun and people teasing each other is utterly, utterly harmless. And humor is above all a sense of perspective, of knowing what's really important and what isn't important. And this is exactly what the BC people lack, any sense of what's matter, what really matters and what doesn't. So they want to kind of limit everyone's behavior in case it might offend someone who's terribly upset, whom you happen to have met once. It's a bit like the Puritans when they were in charge of England after they executed Charles I, they banned Christmas pudding because they said Christmas pudding was idolatrous. It's the same cast of mind that we should just not pay any attention to. John Cleese. The
1: Last Time to See Me Before I Die show, Centennial Concert Hall, Wednesday, November 6th. And uh, I actually get to do the q
2: Oh, really? At
1: the end of the show. Oh, that's
2: so neat that you actually get to meet him after, after talking to him. Because how often do we have someone on air that's just, you know, somewhere... Over by phone and then, okay, bye.
1: Yeah, and that's that. So, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be there. Are uh, you nervous for that? Very, yeah, very. I mean, the guy's oh. a legend, right? I and, wouldn't
2: have a clue what to ask him besides, yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, thankfully, it's, uh, the audience is asking questions. <laughs> oh, good. So hopefully they'll have more than enough questions so I don't have to turn to him and say, so... Do you uh, like salt and vinegar
2: chips or ketchup? both are That's which actually are a in great Canada. question.
1: That's a great question. He Can't might, get
2: those in the States.
1: He, I bet you he's got some thoughts on that. I'll add it to the list.